Welcome to Fueled by Grace. My name is Mark Shiver. Glad to have you joining me either by podcast or by video as we celebrate the goodness of our God. You know, I always start by reminding you that God loves you. He loves you deeply. He loves you passionately. He loves you unconditionally. God loves you. And people ask me sometimes, Mark, why do you always say that? Well, I have found that a lot of people, even Christians, people who have believed the good news of the gospel for a long, long time, they need to be reminded that God loves them, that God loves them all the time. Because people move in and out of believing that God loves them based on their behavior. And so they feel like they haven't performed up to God's standards and suddenly wonder if God loves me. Yes, he does. He absolutely does. So I'm excited about growth in the ministry fueled by grace, taking a little bit of a turn to include video in what we're doing. And we have a YouTube channel and we'll be linking to that on the website. So just, it's, it's good to take advantage of technology. And I'm a little late to the game with the, with the video and all, but I'm glad to be adding that to the ministry. And so I hope it will be a blessing to you. So God loves you. That's where we always start. And I was thinking today, I had been listening. There's a guy named Damon Thomas. And I've been listening to some of his stuff. And he was talking about the woman caught in adultery and that story. And it's awesome, that story. Because the Pharisees, the religious, you know, they were all puffed up in their own self-righteousness. And they dragged her to Jesus. They said she was caught in the very act of adultery. And so you don't want to get in your mind too much of what that really means. But here she was. And we don't talk about her very much in this story, but she was probably embarrassed, scared to death. She probably knew who Jesus was and, and knew that everybody thought he was the Messiah or was beginning to think that anyway. She knew of his miracles and how he had cast demons out of folks and uh, he was a powerful guy. And so here she was and they dragged her to him and cast her down. And well, Rabbi, this lady was caught in the very act of adultery. What do you say we do? Hmm? Of course, Jesus knew the law. The law said that she should be stoned, but he wasn't going to let them catch him. He knew they were trying to catch him, you know. They'd been doing that the whole time. They were trying to get him in a contradiction. So he just starts <laughs> scribbling in the ground. One day when we're all in heaven, we'll ask him, what in the world were you writing? But um, he looked up 
and he kind of just kind of asked him a question and said, which one of you is without sin? You go ahead and cast the first stone. And man, <laughs> they got him. They were just toast. They couldn't, they couldn't respond. They couldn't throw any stones. They, they knew that each one of them knew that they had done something wrong. So they start dropping their stones and their rocks and hanging their heads and wandering off. And Jesus still scribbling in the ground. And so he looks up, looks around, and he looks at the woman. And, you know, again, we don't talk much about her condition there, but she was probably just absolute freaked out, okay? Because here's the guy who's supposed to be the Messiah, and he has just made all of her accusers drop their rocks, drop their stones, and leave. And it's just him and her. I wonder what she was thinking. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. You know, there's been talk that he's the son of God or something like that. And, well, <clears throat> I guess he's going to pound me good. Well, he didn't. He looked at her, and I would imagine his eyes. When he looked in her eyes, I imagine there was so much love and acceptance. He said, where are your accusers? She says, well, <laughs> there's no one here to condemn me. And he said, neither do I. I don't condemn you either. Go your way and sin no more. What? I'm not condemned. I'm not condemned. The Messiah doesn't condemn me. Oh my gosh. And I can imagine that in that moment, just years of self-doubt and self-hate and self-loathing and accusation just fell off of her probably for the first time in her life she had been accepted for who she was not condemned <laughs> neither do i condemn you he said can you imagine now go your way go on and and don't be doing that stuff anymore you know, I believe it was the Apostle Paul wrote, it's the grace of God that helps us to say no to ungodliness. Can you see that right there? Her encounter with the Messiah, with Jesus himself. I would lay odds. She didn't do any more adultery. In fact, I bet her life was completely changed from that moment. But here's what was interesting as I was thinking about this today. The woman caught in adultery. 
We all know that. In fact, I typed woman caught in adultery in preparing for this in Google, and you know, there's a gazillion responses. And it occurred to me, why do we call her that? Why do we in the church who understand the gospel, the goodness and grace and love of God, call her that? Well, the story of the woman caught in adultery. Why not? Well, let's turn in our Bibles now to the uh, story of the woman who received no condemnation. Wouldn't that be better? And isn't that who she really is? <laughs> I thought, I was thinking about this, and I thought, you know, when we're all in heaven, she's not going to walk up and go, hi, I'm the woman caught in adultery. <laughs> she left that label as soon as she got up and left the presence of Jesus. She was the woman who received no condemnation. And yet, I mean, we do this. And there's a guy named Damon Thomas who uh, I've been listening to, and he was talking about this story and some of these very same things. And he, he said, you know, we do it with everybody else. Blind Bartimaeus. Well, he got healed, but we don't call him healed Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus. And, uh, you know, there's others. Uh, turn with me now in your Bibles. Uh, we're going to be looking at the story of the woman with the issue of blood. Why don't we call her the woman of great faith who got healed? You see what I'm saying? We label, even when we preach, we use negative labels. And we do it with ourselves. And that's why the, the title of this is, who are you anyway? Who are you really? I did a whole podcast. You can go back. There's a link to it on the website. Stop calling yourself a, a sinner saved by grace. That's popular here in the South. Well, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Praise God. I'm just a sinner. Yes, sir, I'm a sinner. I hear preachers all the time. Well, you know what? I am a new creation created for good works in Christ Jesus. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I am seated with Christ in heavenly places. I'm not just a sinner. And you notice the Apostle Paul, when he wrote his letters, he addressed the folks as saints, to the saints at Ephesus, to the saints in Galatia, to the saints and brothers and sisters in Rome. I mean, it wasn't, well, to the old sinners saved by grace. No. He understood that there had been real change. And yet, see, there's so much that we do that is subtle in nature in how we label others and how we label ourselves. And folks, it's time for a change. I'm telling you today, it's time for a change. Listen, uh, 
in uh, Romans chapter 8, Paul says, there is therefore no, uh, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. No condemnation. Uh, the woman uh, caught in adultery. Man, in heaven, she's not going to be that. You try to call her that, somebody would probably knock you in the nose. She's the woman who received no condemnation. And you know what she did? Do you know what she did? That whole incident, that whole story opened up a great funnel. A great, like this huge uh, pipe that says no condemnation. And it flowed all the way through the life of Jesus and all the way to the apostle Paul. And he's sitting there writing to the Romans. Now there is therefore uh, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I wonder if he thought about the, the woman who received no condemnation when he wrote that. I don't know, maybe not. Be kind of cool if he did. But the question now is, how do you label yourself? And in today's world, you know, we're either Mr. Shiver or, you know, Mr. Jones or <clears throat> Bob or Sue or, you know, whoever. But we don't walk around <clears throat> saying, well, there's a woman that had an issue of blood. We don't say that in today's society. Um, but we think about people based on their issues and their challenges. Well, there's old Mary. She's been battling cancer. Wow. Do we ever think, well, there's Mary. God's getting her through every single day. And I'm praying for her and believing for healing, but man, she's getting stronger. Praise God. Mary is in God's hands, no matter what happens. You see, there is just so much difference in how we can self-talk. Who are we anyway? Who are we? I'm loved. I am God's workmanship, workmanship, his masterpiece. That's what that means. I am. God created me. He loves me. Do you know, think about loving someone. You just want to spend time with them. You just, sometimes you look at them. I remember I'd be just staring at Tammy sometimes and she'd be like, what are you doing? I'm like, just looking at you. <laughs> I love you. And can you imagine God in heaven, the creator of the universe? The one that we think is all angry and judgmental and harsh. He's looking at us. Wow. There's Mark. I know Mark likes to look at the fall colors and the azaleas. And I know that tomorrow morning, about seven o'clock on the way to work, he's going to see this big bunch of azaleas. And he's going to say, hey, God, look at these azaleas. Aren't they awesome? <laughs> and he probably laughs a little bit. And he likes that. 
He likes that I like fall colors. <laughs> and he likes when I take a further step in understanding that I am a new creation. And this is what he wants you to understand. He wants you to understand that you are not on a treadmill of performance where his love is based on how you do. He wants you to understand that you are a new creation. You see, Paul talks clearly about the new man and the old man. And the old man, our flesh, has been cut away. A spiritual circumcision. It's unbelievable. The new man is created. Perfect. Perfect. In union with God by his Holy Spirit. Jesus was talking about this in, in, in John 17. Lord, uh, they'll be in me and, and I'll be in you and we'll all be in each other and, and we'll just be in union. The new creation, you, the new created you, is perfect, does not sin, cannot sin. You have a new heart. Did you know that? Oh, why do we just latch on to Jeremiah? <laughs> I talked about this in the last podcast. Jeremiah said, the heart of man is wicked. We love that. We sure do. Because we all relate to that, right? Yeah, I sinned this morning. I, I stubbed my toe and cussed. And, you know, I got mad at the dog. And my wife was just yammering on about something. And I didn't want to hear it because I was mad. And so I yelled at her. And now I'm just a big jerk. And I need to call her and apologize. You know, we can relate to all of that negativity, right? But you've been made new. Your heart, the new creation is in union with God. It's perfect. You are perfect. You have been made perfect, regenerated. And you cannot attribute sin to the new creation. It's not, it's not legal. It's not correct. And I don't care what kind of apologetics or, you know, big study you do. It's very simple, folks. Jesus died for our sins. All the sin, all of it, of the world was poured upon him. And, and Jesus said, it is finished. And this was God's doing. This was his solution to the problem of not being able to be in fellowship with his creation. He wanted to be in fellowship with us. Adam and Eve broke that when they disobeyed him. So his solution was, I'm going to sacrifice my son. All the sin of all the world will be poured upon him, and I will be satisfied. And those that believe, I will come into their hearts and be in union with them, and we will have fellowship. You see, God could have said something else. He could have said, Jesus is going to have to stand on his head for seven days. And if Jesus will stand on his head for seven days, I'll be satisfied. All the sin of all the world will be gone away. But no, he's God, right? He's just me and old 
terrible, judgmental, awful God. And he's got to demand holiness. He's got to man, demand justice. And he said, I demand justice. And I'm going to pour the sin of the world onto my son. That's what I require. And Jesus, if you read Hebrews, it'll blow your mind. He took his own blood. He was the high priest, it says. And he took his own blood into heaven and offered it. And the father said, I'm satisfied. And he sat down at the right hand of the father. And he invites us to rest, to sit down with him, to be in union with him, to be at peace, to have joy. The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. So who are you really? When you get up in the morning, what do you think about yourself? God, I'm just broke. I'm just a sinner. Man, I blew it yesterday. I did something really bad. I'm awful. I feel terrible. God can't love me. Or I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm a new creation. I'm born again. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The heart of God beats inside of me because we're in union. This body is now the temple of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost lives in me. He is joined to my spirit. We're in union. We can communicate with one another. And he leads me. He leads me. He leads me. Boy, why don't you start your day off like that? I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. I want to exhort you to get up every day. Yes, this is something I want you to do. Another performance thing. Oh, my gosh. But you got to do it. Get up in the morning, look yourself in the mirror and say, hey, wow, God loves me. I'm born again. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. I'm a new creation. I am a new creation. Start your day that way. Don't think negative thoughts about yourself. You know, the, the devil loves that. He's got Christians all tangled up in this knot of Oh, man, I got to repent of all my sins. I got to confess all my sins. You know, one of the worst things is this whole First uh, John 1, 9 thing. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I preached a sermon uh, a few years ago, and a woman came up to me afterwards, and she said, I spend two hours a day confessing my sin. I said, ma'am, stop that. What in the world? First of all, let's just, just cut down to real simple. You're not going to remember all of your sins. So if you are under the assumption that as a believer, you have to confess all of your sins to get right with God, you'll never do it. You'll never do it. And also, in that regard, the Bible says whatever is not of faith is sin. So you might say, well, I yelled at the dog and I thought four or five bad things about the secretary and I 
I cussed uh, in the car and I, I flipped somebody off and then I cussed again and, you know, God, I repent, please forgive me, I confess all this, but you're not going to remember. Well, I didn't have faith to believe for this and I didn't have faith for that. See, you'll never remember all of your sins. And people say, well, that's all right. You know, it's the effort. No. If you're going to have a theology that says we have to confess our sins to get right with God and do that every day, then you're going to fail miserably. So what is 1 John 1, 9? It's for those that don't believe. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, all unrighteousness. So when I heard the gospel and I believed that I confessed my sins, Father, I'm a sinner. He cleansed me from all unrighteousness. I'm sure we can have a big argument about this, but I'm not going to argue with you about it because it just doesn't make any sense. You can't confess all your sins. But when you did, when you received Christ, he was faithful, he was just, and he forgave you of all, he cleansed you of all unrighteousness. So anyway, instead of this negativity, these hoops that we constantly try to put ourselves through because our pastor has told us to repent, well, you need to go home and repent. Do you know repent means change your mind? So he should be saying, you need to go home and change your mind. Okay. And I, I know, look, I never want to say anything bad about pastors. I know a lot of pastors. Somebody asked me after my last podcast, Mark, who do you think you are talking about pastors? Well, I'll tell you who I am. I'm a child of God. I've been commissioned by God to spread the good news of the gospel. And, and to point out things that hopefully will help you who are listening, you who are watching, to get to a place where you are set free from this performance mentality of Christianity, where you're set free from thinking of yourself, labeling yourself in negative ways. How many of you right there, right now, if you were honest, would label yourself the person called in adultery? If, if they were to write my story, Mark, put it in the Bible, I'd be the person called in adultery, just like that woman. Well, you got to stop labeling yourself with sin. Stop it. Just stop it. Today, begin to identify as who you are in Christ. There's so many good things. There's so many good things. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You could think about that for hours. How is that even possible? God, how can I be the righteousness of God in Christ when I've done so many terrible things? Well, Mark, <laughs> it's because of my son. He took your sin. His blood cleansed you. Folks, Jesus did it all. Everything we have comes from God. And we can point to Jesus. If we would start thinking about Jesus and all that he accomplished for us and get our eyes off of ourselves and our failures, we would begin to grow 
in leaps and bounds as believers. And we could begin to make a real impact in this world. Folks, this world all around us is dying. People are hoping for a lifeline. They're hoping for an anchor. And here we are. We're the ones with the hope. We're the ones with the lifeline. We're the ones with the anchor. And what are we doing? We're getting all wrapped up in the lifeline. And we can't get out from under our own negative thoughts, our own self-condemnation. We can't spread the joy of the Lord, the peace of God. We can't be the light of the world because we're covering it up with the darkness of, of concentrating on our sins. Even after Jesus Christ himself dealt with the issue of sin. I mean, why do you believe some verses, okay, and you hold on to them, but others you don't? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, all things, old things have passed away. All things have become new. Well, we just kind of blast, blast through that. That's good. That's nice. But let me read uh, The Heart of Man is Wicked uh, above all things. Uh, and you hold on to that. Jesus says, uh, forgive me, God, for I have sinned. And we just wrap ourselves around that. David was looking futuristically at what we would have. We would be cleansed with the washing of water by the word. David didn't have that, but we do. But instead of the good things that we have, we want to assign more weight to some of these Old Testament verses, these judgmental verses, and we just kind of gloss over the good stuff. Have you ever meditated on what it says right after 2 Corinthians 5.17? For God was in Christ, reconciling the whole world to himself, not counting man's sins against them anymore. What, what do you do with that verse? Well, that's, that's all right, Mark. You know, that's fine. That, you know, from a theological standpoint, brother, that's, that's good. God has dealt with the sins of the world. But we've got to count our sins and confess our sins. We've got to live holy lives, don't you see? Well, we've been made holy. The new creation is holy. The new man is holy. Okay? Think about that. I'm asking you to just simply shift your attention. Shift your thoughts away from negativity. Stop identifying with negative labels for yourself and begin to uh, gloss yourself something good. I am righteous. I am holy. I am holy. Does that make you nervous to say? I bet it does. But it's true. If you're in Christ, you're holy. You are holy. Isn't that awesome? I'm holy. Man, I'm so glad I'm in union with God by his son, Jesus. And I rejoice because his son did it. I can't mess it up. So the point of all of this today is the next time you hear someone say, well, let's talk about the woman with the issue of blood. Just kind of laugh and say, no, wait a minute. Let's talk about the woman who received no condemnation from the Messiah. That was awesome, wasn't it? 
Jesus himself, neither do I condemn you. Go on, sin no more. He didn't tell her to confess her sins every day. He told her, go on, sin no more. I don't condemn you. He set her free, folks. And we can be set free if we will think about the goodness of our God, the truth of the gospel, right? That we are forgiven. We are forgiven. We are forgiven. Therefore, our sins are not separating us from God. They're not causing him to come to and, and leave uh, to and fro in our lives. He doesn't leave today because I, I, I yelled and cussed at the TV and come back to bar because I went to church. He's there all the time. When we begin to get this rooted firmly into our hearts, then we'll begin to grow. And then those around us will begin to see the light of the world, the peace, the joy, the happiness, the goodness, the meekness, the gentleness, the self-control, the generosity, the servanthood, all of these characteristics of Jesus, these fruits of the Holy Spirit will begin to be manifest in our lives. And it'll be powerful. It sure will. So I want to thank you for listening and watching. And uh, I will uh, be putting this video on our YouTube page and also uh, linking it on Fueled by Grace, uh, the website, fueledbygrace.com. And then uh, you'll be able to find it in several different places. And please, I ask you this every time, but please share. Other people need to hear the good news. You know, and I know I'm not the greatest preacher in the world. But I believe I have the good news of the gospel that could set some of your friends free. Maybe set your mom and daddy free. Set your brother-in-law free. So simply click share. Boom. Send a text. Send an email. Share it on Facebook. Just click share. Put it up there. You could be the, the, the catalyst to helping someone get set free, to helping someone hear and see the good news. And that'll be awesome. So I'll get better at this video thing, I promise. But for the first time out, I guess we did all right. But remember this. Remember that God loves you. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that we're launching this new way of delivering the, the message at Fueled by Grace here. I pray that folks would listen and, and receive the good news and be encouraged in their hearts and that people would begin to stop labeling themselves negatively, but begin to see themselves as who they are in Christ because of the great things that you have done. Thank you for loving us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.